Hello and welcome to Oberta Dicta, a podcast by Bloomsbury Professional Ireland. Each episode, we interview one of Ireland's leading legal professionals on their areas of interest and expertise and how these are informing our current headlines. We also deliver a summary of Bloomsbury Professional Ireland's latest updates across its online services and blog. Your hosts for this podcast are myself, Rachel Sherlock, the marketing executive for Bloomsbury Professional Ireland and general literature enthusiast. And me, Owen Malloy, a graduate of NUI Galway School of Law and FE1 survivor. I now work as Bloomsbury Professional Ireland's content editor with a particular focus on our online services. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy our podcast. Hello and welcome to Oberta Dicta. For this episode, you've got myself, Rachel Sherlock, and joining me is Owen Malloy. In this episode, we will be covering all of our recent developments in light of the new C-19 crisis, as well as introducing our new title, Contract Law for Students, written by Bloomsbury's own Owen Malloy. Welcome to the show. Thanks for the very kind introduction, as always, Rachel. So, quite a lot has happened in the world since we uploaded our last episode back in January. When we last spoke, the nation was readying itself for a general election, the result of which turned out to be fairly seismic in and of itself. But of course, this has all been washed away by the coronavirus pandemic, along with all of the other trivialities that used to dominate our new cycle inside and outside of the law. So with the new social distancing measures that are now in place, um, it can be easier to feel a bit disconnected. And so Rachel and I decided it would be a good time to reach out to our clients and customers through this podcast. Over the weeks to come, we're planning to bring you regular episodes. We will continue to update on our products and services, the titles we have coming out, and any new developments that we have. We will also be looking at some of the legal developments occurring in light of the COVID-19 outbreak. For example, next week, Stephen Spearin, a barrister at law, will be joining us to talk about court closures and the new online courts trial. In this week's episode, we're going to be going over some of the changes that we have made at Bloomsbury Professional Ireland so as to ensure that we can continue to provide our services uninterrupted to our many clients who are still working, albeit they may now be doing so from the comfort of their own homes as opposed to the office. Much like ourselves, own. We haven't been in the office together for a couple of weeks now. Oh yeah, how long has it been since you were abroad Yes, I got caught a little bit in that I was in England right before a lot of the uh, advice on self-isolation at home following flights came into effect. And so it's been about a month and a bit since I've been in the Bloomsbury office. But luckily, we have all of the new technologies that I think everyone is now leaning on a lot in these days to stay connected and stay in touch. Yes, I mean... I remember when you came back and you took the voluntary decision to to kind of isolate for a while. And we were thinking, you know, we were having a, a bit of a joke about it and thinking, you know, oh, are we taking this maybe a bit too seriously? But, you know, a couple of weeks later and here we are, it's, it's all changed entirely. And it looks like a very prudent decision that was made at the time. But we've been doing a lot in terms of reaching out and maintaining our usual business. Of course, at the moment, we are mainly working with our customers in terms of servicing them with ebooks and e-publishing, as most people will find that they are restricted in their access to physical copies. So, yeah, we, we've been doing quite a lot in terms of keeping our customers uh, and our clients connected. And you mentioned there about the ebooks, but just, I suppose, if you want to give us a roundup of, of what else we've been doing to serve our, our clients' needs as they're now working from home. 
Yes, our colleague Sean has been working really hard. He heads up our sales and he decided that it would be best to reach out to our subscribers outlining exactly how we intend to keep our services up and running. He has been inundated with emails regarding IP access for customers who would now be using different PCs and so on and so forth. And the email set out our intentions for the following. Firstly, to process requests for free trials quicker than ever. Secondly, to extend the length of our free trials up to three weeks. Thirdly, to help firms manage their user limits where necessary. And finally, to run remote demonstrations for clients who need them. Obviously, all of this is really important to get people up and running in their new remote locations. Yes. And I suppose in addition to all of this, uh, one of the things that we kept hearing indirectly from people on social media and Twitter in particular was that many people with younger children who are now working from home, they were having difficulty balancing their jobs in addition to helping with learning and homework for their kids. So we put our heads together on this and thought, is there anything that we can do to help support our subscribers with this? And luckily that day we received an email from Bloomsbury HQ indicating that our early years learning resource would be made available free of charge for the duration of the pandemic. So an email was sent around to all of our subscribers and the uptake was incredible on this. If anyone listening has missed the boat, uh, just tweet us at Bloomsbury IRE and we can sort that out for you, uh, provided of course you have a valid subscription. Yes, there are a whole host of new challenges. And I think as we'll see in our coming episodes, we're going to take a look at some of the legal developments. And obviously, it's a situation that's developing very quickly. While obviously, it's quite a serious situation, we're also conscious that it's quite an interesting one in terms of the legal implications. So we are looking forward to being able to look into those further in our coming episodes. But now moving into other news... We thought this podcast would be a great opportunity to spotlight our newest title, which is Contract Law for Students, and is written by none other than yourself, Owen Malloy. Yes, thanks, Rachel. It was a great relief to finally get the book done. As you know, in the office, I've been working on it for quite some time, staying late on after work and all the rest of it. But it's always been an ambition of mine to get a title out, and it's finally happened. Yeah, it's a great book, and uh, it's certainly been very impressive to me to see the hours that have gone into it. And I think we're really excited to be able to bring this out as a resource for students and as something that will be of great benefit to people going forward. Yes, it it was certainly an area where we were light in terms of our list, in terms of our student offering. And just to kind of be able to plug that gap in a small way with a very modest work such as this compared to our our bigger, more substantive titles, it's, it's been an honor to be a part of that. Well, I think it would be wonderful to get a proper spotlight on the book. So perhaps you'd like to start us off by giving a quick synopsis of the book. Yes, absolutely, Rachel. So Contract Law for Students uh, does exactly what it says in the tin. It aims to be a clear and accessible textbook, and it's roughly 400 pages in length. So it's aimed at undergraduate law students, as well as those who go on to complete their professional exams. So solicitors taking the FE1s or barristers taking the King's Inns entrance exams. The substantive chapters of the book mirror the requirements of the FE1 syllabus, but there are several features of the book which I believe will be particularly useful to students. Uh, Namely, each chapter ends with an academic commentary section, which aims to give students an introduction into a particular debate which may be raging within that topic. So an example of this would be within the doctrine of consideration, you have the oft-cited observation of Professor Atiyah that consideration is not a true doctrine of the law, but it is rather a byproduct of ex post facto decision rationalization and so forth. So there's one of those at the end of every chapter. Now, in addition to this, there are also many new developments which have been covered in the book up to January 2020. 
So there is the Consumer Insurance Contracts Act from 2019, and this has the potential to completely overhaul the duty of disclosure and other aspects relating to contracts Uber and Mafide. There is also a 2020 case on contracts in restraint of trade in Ryanair versus Bellew. And there is also included in the book is the restatement of the law and penalty clauses by the UK Supreme Court and so forth. It's clear how much effort you've put into making sure that it's a resource that is as up to date as possible, as comprehensive as possible. I think most people would be surprised to hear that it's 400 pages long. Well, yeah, most of my friends were very surprised to hear it was 400 pages long. That was the feedback when the initial orders came out. Uh, a lot of my friends getting in touch said, I, I didn't think it would be this this chunky, this thick. Um, but I suppose the reason for that is, is that it, it covers the main substantive chapters of contract law, which are included on most academic syllabuses or syllabi. But the book also includes a general introduction to contract law, which includes sections on the history of contract law in Ireland. And then there's also a bit more anecdotal uh, chapter on navigating the professional exams, which correlates to my own experience and kind of things that I learned through taking and navigating the FE1s that I I wanted to pass on. Actually, that was something I was going to ask you about. Clearly, you're writing from your own experience. And I was going to ask what inspired you to write this book? Well, yeah, that's that's a great question, because not many 24-year-olds would spend most evenings of their first year living in Dublin, toiling away, tapping away at the keyboard, writing a, a law textbook. But yeah, uh, to put it bluntly, I, I was inspired by, in a sense, how difficult the FE1s were and, you know, how much time I spent studying for them. Um, I ended up with a, a the kind of a, a shell of a book, which were my own typed notes, and I got them bound. And I suppose it, it came about quite in a funny way, I suppose, because I, I in truth, I, I found contract law to be quite difficult at undergraduate level. And then when it came around to doing the FE1s, as you know, you have to take a much more broad lens approach to the FE1s and you have to know everything. You can't just skirt around as I may have done at undergraduate level, you know, with a couple of topics here or there. So when it came to studying contract law for the FE1s, I just had to know it all. And I ended up with this kind of bound, tight, I suppose, little book of my own notes for the exam. And I was studying one evening after work and Sandra Mulvey, our boss at the time, who's since gone on maternity leave, jokingly said to me that, oh, we could just slap a cover on that and, and, and put it to market and sell it. And I thought, could you? You know, <laughs> and uh, so from there, we kind of started talking about it and obviously put another year or 14 months worth of research and writing into the book. And, and that's where it came from, really. And I was just going to ask, how long did it take you? So it was just over a year. All in, in terms of getting it checked, edited, proofread, printed. And then we had, you know, kind of all sorts of warehousing issues that took their time to to work out in the end. But yeah, about 14 months all in, I think. And what were the main challenges along the way? Well, I suppose every aspect, to give a a bit of a silly answer, every aspect of it was was a challenge. Sitting down after a full day of work to try and write, you know, a thousand words or so in a couple of hours in my evenings. But uh, the, the biggest challenge in terms of getting this book logistically to market has undoubtedly been the coronavirus um, because as soon as the book was was launched and we got it to the distributors, the distributors were inevitably disrupted by the coronavirus. So we've had to make the decision to market it as an ebook for now, but there are paper copies there. So I suppose that, that has been the most challenging kind of difficult thing for me because I have my my own copies at home, but you know, to, to get the book out there finally and printed and bound and ready to go, 
obviously we at Bloomsbury are really anxious to make sure that our titles are made available as, as much as possible to the public. And like you said, with the various restrictions that have come in, we're currently unable to do those print copies. But certainly the future will be able to get them out to people because any time that I've been studying, having a physical copy of a book has always really helped me. And I definitely like being able to highlight and underline and add NB at the side and in the margins. Oh, absolutely. I think that's particularly with this book as well, because it's it's very affordable, you know, relative to our, our other titles. So we actually thought it would be appropriate to include a little note section at the end of the book. So people can, you know, mark in any recent developments that might have changed in the interim between the book coming out and them getting their hands on their copy or any just general observations that they may have. So yeah, definitely for this book, I, I would I would think that if, if I were studying, I, I would like to have the hard copy. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, me complaining about my book being sold in an ebook version is, is not a priority for anyone. But yeah, just it was just a, a small kind of snag that we reached at the end. But I was, I was delighted to get it out in any sense in an ebook. I'd say it was a relief to finally have it out. Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean... You know, you start to get imposter syndrome, maybe as a as a young author starting out. And you kind of think, you know, I, I was having nights uh, as we approached the end, you know, where I would have to just keep reading it and rereading it and rereading it and kind of absolutely triple checking, quadruple checking every line, every sentence. And, you know, the edits and the revisions went up to the to the final day, really, to the final few hours. So as soon as it was sent off and out of my hands, it was a great relief. I can imagine. And so in the season of lockdown, will there still be a launch party? Well, if the restrictions are slightly lifted, and I think there was a time where you could have gatherings of up to 100 people. Is that correct? Even if it was maybe just a week. <laughs> so if, if if we could get back to that. No, in all, in all honesty, it would be brilliant when all of this calms down to have some sort of a launch party, uh, especially I think most of us foresee this calming down definitely by the end of the summer towards September, when this book will kind of reach students when they go back to college, hopefully in September. So if we could have some sort of a launch around then, that would I'd be delighted with that. Yeah, it would be nice to see it kind of come into its own in an academic season. So I guess then the last thing to ask is, how can someone get their hands on a copy in whatever format is available? Yeah, well, at the moment, we're working with universities to get some copies on library shelves for when things do eventually pick back up again but if you are a student who is studying remotely for a contract law exam whether an undergraduate one and you're listening along to this I would say the best thing to do is to purchase a copy of the ebook the epdf book I think is, is more readable so if you just go onto our website www.bloomsburyprofessional.com and look for contract law for students and the epdf version so if you put that in your cart and add the code student25 in all caps It'll get you 25% off and you'll get the book for around, I think, 44, 45 euros or something like that. It works out as. Mm, that's great. And certainly in a very different price range than a lot of law textbooks. Oh, absolutely. We had we had to make sure it was affordable to individual students uh, studying for their exams because otherwise it's, it's pointless. We need this book to be kind of widely read and widely used for students doing their exams for it to be useful. That's great. And for when the physical book is available, do you want to remind us what the price point on that will be? Yeah, so that will retail at €60 for the hard copy, but there will be a discount code for that one as well as soon as as things pick up again. So 
if you get in touch with Bloomsbury Professional, whether on, on Twitter at the handle we mentioned earlier, at Bloomsbury IRE, or, or email one of us with your student details, we'll always provide a student discount for, for this title. That's fantastic. And um, it's been great talking to you. It's great to get a chance to kind of highlight this book. We're all very proud of it here at Bloomsbury. So we're delighted to be able to bring it to as big an audience as possible. Thank you very much, Rachel. I really appreciate it. And thanks so much for joining us. And we'll be back. We have decided to ramp up our production on this podcast to bring you more regular updates in this time. So hopefully we'll be joining you probably within the next week or so with a new episode. And we look forward to talking to you then. Goodbye. This has been Oberta Dicta, a Bloomsbury Professional Ireland podcast. To find out more about our titles and online services, visit bloomsburyprofessionalireland.com. You can follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook. Thanks for listening.